Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. I'm your host, Greg Goins, with another great episode. As we wrap up our summer series, as students are finally returning to the classroom for the new school year, I hope to have new episodes back at you sometime in September. But this has been a fun journey over the summer uh, as I've tried to uh, you know, bring you the best interviews and thought leaders that I could find this summer as we kind of recharge and get ready for the new school year. So we're going to wrap it up with a great interview that I did recently with Dr. Rick Jetter. And Dr. Jetter is a longtime school administrator in the state of New York uh, in the Buffalo area. Rick has compiled a great new book series. It's actually the 100 Stop series. And the first offering in that series is 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Teachers Should Stop Doing. So that book is available wherever books are sold. You certainly want to check it out. I highly recommend it. Uh, it would be great not only for your professional library, but also if you're thinking about doing a book study uh, for back to school, you certainly want to check it out. Rick is a fantastic speaker, the author of several wonderful books. Uh, he's also one of the nation's leading educational consultants, uh, co-founder of Pushing Boundaries Consulting. Uh, so just a, a wonderful conversation. Great guy. And a lot we can learn from Dr. Rick Jetter and this 100 Stops series. So hope you enjoy the conversation. Uh, my interview with Rick Jetter begins right now. I'm Stacey Lindis from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Reimagined Schools podcast, the show that shines light on positive leadership, technology integration, and innovative solutions to transform our schools. Featuring many of the nation's top educators, tune in each week to hear from best-selling authors, popular speakers, and thought leaders throughout K-12 education as we continue the conversation on how to create better schools for kids. From the podcast studio in Georgetown, Kentucky, here's your host, Dr. Greg Goins. We are back with another episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. So excited to bring in a longtime school administrator from New York State, Dr. Rick Jetter. How are you, Rick? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Greg. Uh, we were just kind of talking off air a little bit about how things were going out there on the East Coast. And I'm here in uh, central Kentucky and may have a little different perspective. But as school gets ready to kick back up, um, you know, what are some of the things you're seeing and hearing there as, as schools get ready to co go back, hopefully to in-person learning at some point nationwide? Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great question because everybody's like, you know, it's kind of like that restaurant. Yes, we're open, right? People want to put that sign back up in the window of the school. Yes, we're open. But right now, numbers for the variant are increasing in New York State. And our Department of Education is not giving any guidance right now because everybody's worried. And will we then have to go back to a hybrid model or fully virtual for some schools, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's gonna happen. It's in my mind, I think, the, of this concept, right? Like what are the things that we will always do no matter if we're in crisis or calm? right? 
And I, I'm just telling staff, look at, don't panic. We're going to kick butt no matter what, let it play out. Let the, let the COVID play out. There's nothing you can do, right? If we have to have masks, we wear masks. If we don't, we don't. We just have to roll with it, right? It's just tumbleweed. We're in the profession of tumbleweed, but I guess everybody is too. You know, all the companies out in the city of Buffalo, a lot of the employees are still virtual for some major companies in our area. Uh, half their, maybe a couple staff are in, but a lot of people are still working virtually. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing that's frustrating is uh, it, the, the goalposts continue to move and the, the rules continue to change. And we're going to talk about your great book with the 100 Stop series and the book that's available now that's flying up the bestseller list is 100 No Nonsense Things That All Teachers Should Stop Doing. And we're going to jump into that here in a second. But I was thinking as I was, uh, you know, bringing you on. Uh, you probably need to write an entire book about the 100 no-nonsense things that the media should stop saying because things are just, it's getting out of control depending on which channel you watch. You know, it's funny you say that because, so we're going to come out with the school leader book next, right? That's probably going to hit the scene in uh, January of 2022. Then we're going to do a parent one. And then some of my colleagues at Pushing Boundaries said, Let's do a, let's do a school board member one. And then Eric Francis said, let's do a politician one. So if you, if you look on my Twitter, my banner actually includes the series, you know, each one's going to be a different color. I think I put the politician one up there. Yeah. And I think those are just great topics that, you know, you're going to have plenty of material to dive into across the board there. But, you know, first of all, congrats on the success of the book. You've compiled this thing. It is, uh, you know, advertised as the largest collaborative educational publishing project ever. And you have hundreds of authors that are a part of this series. And now you're talking about expanding to school leadership series, parents, students, politicians, you know, it goes on and on and on, you know, a few years back, um, you know, some of our colleagues that we know well, Jimmy Costas and Jeff Zuhl, came out with their own book, Stop Right Now, 39 Steps to uh, Making Schools Better. And I love that book because it was really kind of beginning some of those hard conversations that we've always been afraid to have in education. You've taken that to a whole new level now, which is really exciting. No, I, I, I appreciate the kind words. And, you know, it. What what's interesting is I didn't, I don't know if you want me to tell the story of how this thing was birthed, but you know, I was in the, I was just taking a shower the one morning, you know, just trying to think about projects and people. And, and I'm like, man, I've got all these things that I just want to tell people about to get everyone on the same page, you know? So I started brainstorming a list and all of a sudden I had like a hundred topics, maybe even more. And I'm like, I can't write this book. I can't. Who is who in their right mind is going to buy a book from Rick Jetter that that talks about one I got to get people to write these. Get other people to write these, right? Like get other voices, not just mine. It's almost like the day of the one author book is gone in my mind. My projects now and pushing boundaries, we are committed to just like these whole team works. And it all of a sudden I Greg, I don't know if you remember this, but back last year, I put something out on social media. I said, you know, anybody want to write a chapter for this? 
100, right? And the cover looked weird. It had like some eyes because it was called like in your face, no nonsense things, right? And it kind of looked like a face. And, and Greg, I got to tell you that that was out there on social media for five days. I had 742 responses. Wow. And then I was, and then Greg, I was like, holy crap, I got to make cuts. How are we, <laughs> like, I'm not a soccer coach. I got to make cuts. And I'm, I'm just like, okay, number one, it appears that this might be a successful project because of the outpouring of, of people wanting to write a chapter, right? So then I kind of just, I took some of my colleagues that, that I'm close with, I certainly promised them a chapter. They wanted to be a part of it. And then I kind of, I just covered my eyes. I really did kind of a blindfold thing. And I just started looking at people and chapters. I did want to have a, a balance of males and females. You know, I did want to have a, a demographic balance, right? To represent all kind of corners of the, the nation. And we've got some people uh, overseas who participated as well, but I had to make cuts and it was hard. But the project started to come together and people were submitting their chapters and each one's like two, three, four pages. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing crazy. And, the, and then Rebecca, right, a shout out to Rebecca Coda, who was helping to build this project, you know, literally from our first published book, we thought, let's just try doing this on our own, you know. Um, and Rebecca was, you know, putting everything together, the interior matter, this, that. Right. And she and she called me. She's like, Rick, these chapters are really good that everybody put together. This is pretty powerful. But I got to tell you, if we go with a six by nine book, this sucker is going to be 590 pages. It's going to look like a, it's going to be bigger than the Bible. I'm like, no, we can't do that. Right. So she's looking at sizes and goes with something that we call the phone book right now. It's this cool. Uh, it almost looks like a Heinemann type of, you know, workbook and um People have been grabbing a copy of it. And then, oh, then we made a mistake where we uploaded the wrong file to Amazon. So it wasn't the final polished one that we really wanted. And some people started buying that and they're like, oh my God, look at all these typos in here. We're like, oh no, we got the wrong file. <laughs> we're like, you know, Abbott and Costello. We were, whoop, whoop, get the right one up there. But it's been a blast. And the people, the authors are amazing. You know, Greg, you've, you recognize the names in this project. The people are brilliant. And, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, oh this, is my, oh, this is my way to get rich, right? Because you don't, you don't make a lot of money on books. You just don't. Um, but we're, we're using the royalties to publish the consecutive books in the series. So we're going to get, and we're, we've got a couple authors returning from the first one to do the second one but we've got a lot of new people and the parent one will have new people, right? And I think it helps people just practice writing and getting involved in a project that they're committed to. And every, they see like this massive team. Um, so I'm really proud of it. I, I, it. It started to hit the top of the charts in 12, I think it was 24 hours we were up there um, and it, it just started pouring out the support. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we see that word stop, we automatically make this assumption that it, there's going to be negativity there and that, uh, you know, a book like this is really going to pile on all the terrible things that are happening in education. And that's not the case at all. This is a very positive book. And I, I kind of think of it. Uh, I mean, it's described as an anti-teacher 
it's not an anti-teacher book. It's really a book about going from good to great because we assume that everyone's doing a pretty good job in their school and in their classroom. This is, you know, maybe what you can do to take it to the next level. No, I, you know, thanks for saying that. Um, it, it does celebrate teachers and it celebrates the profession by getting everybody on the same page with issues that we may not really be thinking about, right? Uh, one of the chapters is stop speed reading IEPs. It was really cool, right? I mean, there are these different topics in there of things that we inadvertently don't think much about. And that's what's gonna help kind of push those boundaries and, and get everybody. And it's not, a, it's not a create a robot kind of thing where we want everybody to be automatons. But it's like, okay, here are some topics. Let's all read them and get on the same page. Yeah, and I, I think that's a great point. And, you know, just uh, yesterday, I believe, I sent out a tweet that was really kind of inspired by this book series. And I've been thinking a lot about the unwritten rules of education. And um, I'm writing a book myself, and it kind of has a baseball theme to it. And there are unwritten rules of baseball. So I started thinking, what are the unwritten rules for teachers or for schools. And, you know, I came up with simple things like, you know, I remember as a teacher being told never smile before Christmas yeah. or, um, you know, ne you know, never start new material on a Friday. Just some of that nonsensical stuff that doesn't make sense. Uh, what are some of those unwritten rules that maybe you've ran across throughout your career or maybe uh, are even going to be featured in the book at some point? You know, the I think, by the way, that sounds like a great idea. You're you're uncovering myths, right? A lot of these myths, these mythical things of what people believe they should be doing. And, um, you know, the ones that stick out to me the most, and, and, and it's maybe the in-your-face kind of part of, of education or any profession is, you know, I wrote a chapter about stop talking crap about your colleagues. And Mina Hill followed up the next chapter of stop backstabbing your colleagues. And some of that stuff, you know, those, it's not necessarily the unwritten rules, but it's the stuff that maybe is so taboo that we don't talk much about proactively, you know, like to have an entire staff read these different chapters together before the school year starts sets the stage for like, here's what we want. We want a positive place. We want us to grow together. We want us to celebrate education and each other's victories, right? And get each other's backs, not stab them in the back, right? So the, the chapters that I've always been most passionate about are the ones that we, we don't push that elephant in the room hard enough. And, and we need to, because we're running out of time, you know? Our, our kids need us now and they needed us years ago and our careers are, are going to end at some point. And we have to work and grind as much as we can now to, to just kind of get everybody on the same page with those tough elephant topics that, that you gotta push on. Yeah, and I remember um, you know, my time as a superintendent and a principal talking with my administrative team and just being very blunt with them and saying, you know what? Uh, just complaining without a solution is whining in my, in my opinion. So it's easy to identify all the problems that you have, but when are you going to actually take a deep dive and tell me what some of the answers are? And I think that's another really cool thing about this book series is you're not only identifying problem areas, but you're also providing some solutions that can actually be implemented in a school system. 
Yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm guilty of uh, being a little pithy. You know, at the end of my chapter, my solution was, if you've got one of these colleagues running around the school causing all sorts of nightmares, slide a copy of this chapter in his mailbox, you know? I mean, it's, it's kind of like there, there are some, some pretty weird strategies that, that can, can bring a school together. Um, and you're right, the, the authors, they, they did such a great job with not just griping about, you know, 100 things, but being like, hey, this will bring us together. And here's some ways in, in the stories that they shared, right? Some of the authors shared stories about their own families and the, some of the things they've gone through and stories of with students that they've gone through, like real, like down to earth. They're because they're practitioners, most of them. So that that's what was really awesome. And, you know, I think that's a great point because a lot of times, you know, a solution doesn't have to big, be this big, fancy 10-point plan that we're going to do all this research on. Sometimes it's just stop doing stupid stuff. You know, don't don't talk negatively about kids in front of other teachers in the teacher's lounge. I mean, that's a pretty simple fix. Just don't do it. But a lot of times, you know, again, those unwritten rules and uh, you know, we all know how difficult it is to be a teacher. I mean, I can't think of a more difficult job. Uh, you know, obviously being a principal and superintendent, you know, elevates that stress level. But um, just kind of talk about. Um, you know, some of these ideas and, and you can kind of cherry pick some of your favorites. We don't want to give the book away. We want folks to buy the book, but in things, you know, things that teachers can do to begin the school year right off the bat, that's automatically going to make their classroom a happier place. Yeah. I, I mean, topically it's, I, I think about the ones that had students stories to help us be more compassionate about kids, right? Because the reality is that we're human beings and sometimes kids just drive us crazy because we're human beings. And, you know, like Rick, Rick Ramirez and uh, Robert Breyer and um, Martinez is in there, you know, Rob, I'm just like, I think of these in Lubefeld, uh, he, he, had, he, had, he had a terrific chapter. And, and what I loved was the stories that were humanistic and weren't blaming us for being human, right? Because we're, we're going to feel a certain way sometimes. It was so blameless um, that they, they just would share the stories about kids and fellow colleagues. And I, I really just, I still go back. I kind of jump around in the book still. I'll, I might read a chapter here or there and just jump around because I learned something different every day from these people. Um, and it, it's the lightning of the heart in their stories that, that made this project, you know? And, and then Greg, the, other, the flip side of this is I've got school districts reaching out to me and they're like, we could, we're gonna, we have a handbook, you know, from an HR perspective, we wanna use this to supplement a handbook. Cause there are some things in there that people just have to stop doing and what better way to tell them to stop doing it by showing them with stories and really cool vignettes and amazing authors. What better way to do that than uh, a stuffy handbook, you know? So there's all these different reasons why people are, are gravitating towards the project. And um, it's, it's really, it's very humbling. It's, it's amazing. I just, I, I knew that when I had 742 people respond that, that maybe I was on something, 
and I just hope it grows. And, you know, prior to this release, uh, you've had some other great books. You had The School Leaders, Dunk Tank, and a great book on student voice titled Let Them Speak. How have those two books in particular helped set the tone for the work you did in this series? Yeah, and, and you know, certain, you know, certainly kudos to Dave Burgess and a thank you for having him publish those and, and Rebecca Cota co-authoring those. You know, that, that's a good question because in the 100 book, there's, there's a chapter by Isaiah Sterling about student voice. So he kind of picks the torch up uh, from the Let Them Speak project. And, and he used to do our podcasts, you know, for the, the Let Them Speak project. And, and he's, you know, this guy just, he was a high school student when we met him. He's in college now. I think he just, uh, he's now down in Florida. He moved from Missouri to Florida continue his education and the let them speak project spoke to him as a high school student in Missouri and that's when we met that's how we met and we uh, actually co-presented with Isaiah uh, in at ASCD in Chicago a couple years ago and met him for the first time in person and so I think the projects I think publishing is very interesting because who knows who will pick a book up at what time in their life and it grows some amazing relationships. Um, I haven't met all 103 authors in the 100 book, but I feel like I know them. You know, I, I feel like I know them through social media, through watching you know, their families on Facebook and the posts and seeing the beauty of life, right? These people celebrate life. So I hope to meet them someday, all of them. Um, but it, it, sparked, uh, it sparked a lot of connections and relationships. And, you know, I can certainly relate to that doing the podcast because I would say 95% of the guests I've had, and I've talked to hundreds of people over the last few years, are people that I've connected with on Twitter, quite frankly. And I've only met in person a handful. Uh, you and I have never met, but I feel like I know you from, you know, Twitter and from DMs and talking with you and doing the interview. So it's, it's, it's amazing how, you know, technology has created this space for all of us to come together and collaborate and share these great ideas. And the fact that you're doing this in a very collaborative way, as opposed to trying to write a, a book like this by yourself, uh, I think speak, speaks volumes uh, to you personally and your own leadership style. Thank you. And, and I, I hope it sparks opportunities for them as well. Um, you know, some people reached out to me that they're going to now begin writing their own book because they've celebrated being a published author right now, you know, and it, it sounds kind of hokey, but they get to set up an Amazon page and an author page and have their work now start to archive. They're building up their portfolios. And if, if, if I can open the door for people to do that, I'll, I'll you know, give them the shirt off my back. Um, very appreciative to, you know, Doug Reeves and John Carippo. Oh my God. They start and end this book with such a power punch. I mean, you know, Doug was one of my heroes as I was learning to going through my, my certification and my schooling. He was one of my heroes. And this guy wrote the foreword, you know, and it's brilliant. He's so brilliant. And John, you know, anchors the book with just wisdom that is, is wild. 
Yeah, I've had John on the podcast a couple of different times, and he's always great to talk with. And as you mentioned, John, what role does technology and just this idea of digital leadership play in the book series? Yeah, well, at a very low grassroots level, um, I think we we tried to not make the book be stamped in history as a COVID book. So we don't talk too much about the framework of education. We don't get into, you know, virtual learning and talk much about, you know, I mean, you could grab all, there's all sorts of books out there right now that are, they're trying to make a place in, in the pandemic that have to do with online teaching and virtual learning. And I get it, right? Google this and learn how to use that. But we, I think we stayed away from having this book be stamped in time with a with a technology vibe pro or con for it i think we we did a we worked on a project that would um be post-pandemic or pre-crisis with whatever faces us next and you know i talk to a lot of authors and a lot of people that are aspiring authors and this theme keeps coming up over and over and over again. I think it's it's well spoken is that you want a book if you're going to take the time and effort because it's a huge commitment. You want the book to be timeless. It's not just going to be for that covid year or for, you know, whatever that new app is that's hot. You know, if you have a whole chapter on Kahoot, that's fine for that period of time. But, you know, in three years from now, it's going to be something different. So right. uh, was it it really was a timeless approach then. It was, it, and you know, through the revision process, and you know, we we saw a couple of those things pop up, and we didn't want it to be super repetitive, so we we took it out, and the the authors were fine with it. They you know, they know what the process is. Is you know, here's here's my baby. I'm giving it to you. Here's my work, and the the revision and editing process is is what it is. I've had people just obliterate some of the stuff I've written because they're like, what, this is, this doesn't make any sense here. We're going to fix it. We're going to help you fix it. And, you know, Todd Whitaker makes a, he's, he's hilarious. He's like, oh, I write all my books on a napkin and just give it to the editor, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Funny stuff. Good, good stuff there. My guest today is Dr. Rick Jetter and uh, you want to follow him on Twitter at Rick Jetter, also rickjetter.com. And you can buy this book and all his books, wherever books are sold. Uh, but you definitely want to check out the website there at rickjetter.com. So, Rick, I, I kind of want to move away from the book a little bit and get to a more uh, philosophical uh, type question related to just your educational philosophy. When I was beginning my podcast and trying to think of a name or a brand, this reimagined schools idea popped into my head because I'm a huge believer in, you know, the, the Ted Dinnersmith most likely to succeed model that, you know, schools haven't changed that much in the last 140 years. And we kind of need to, to rethink some things. Uh, I could have just as easily have named this podcast pushing boundaries, but you beat me to it. So has that always been kind of your North star as a, as an educator and thinking about education? No, it hasn't. Um, I, there are many times in my career that that I was a coward and didn't do maybe the right thing that I should have always done. Um, you know, there are there are there's those leadership things that you fly under the radar. You don't want to touch with a ten foot pole, right? And you don't stick your neck out there. 
And I think that had more to do earlier in my career because I was learning, just trying to figure everything out, right? So it wasn't until I went through some, some crazy times myself. You know, I, I battled alcoholism for, for a while while I was in a district. I had some people who um, were coming after me as a superintendent because I was trying to make the right decisions. And it had to do with, you know, terminating some family members of theirs and yeah, that creates an automatic war, you know, it was just an absolute nightmare, but no, I think, I think my answer to your question is I, I can recognize when I maybe didn't stick my neck out when I should have for kids or, or staff members. And it wasn't until I gained more wisdom along the way and, and learned more about the craft of leadership, intentional leadership and, and built more confidence in myself, right? It wasn't until then where Rebecca and I were like, you know what, we, we need to address the things people don't want to address and that's pushing boundaries. And we were, we were like, Eureka, that's, the, that's what we're gonna call it. So it took, a, it took a long transformation of my own self and career um, and getting back on my feet, you know? Just getting back on your feet is tough. And from there, we do now stick to that creed and it is our new uh, bulletproof vest. And, and, you know, it's also so liberating to be able to have some of those difficult conversations because, you know, it, we have to do things that are going to be best for kids, not adults in buildings. And that alone is a really challenging conversation for a school superintendent, a principal to have. I've had some of those tough conversations in my career. I've lost some of those very public battles myself. But, you know, in your heart of hearts that those are the right conversations and the right things to do. You, you know, you're, you're talking about maybe doing a, uh, you know, 100 stops for politicians. And I firmly believe that uh, policymakers are, I'm not going to say they're the root of all evil, but they're largely responsible for many of the barriers that we have as we think about changing the school model. And you can disagree with that, and our listeners can, can agree or disagree. But if you do, do a, write a book about uh, the, the politicians and the political kind of gatekeeper approach to education, in your mind, what does that look like? What are some of those things that maybe jump jump off the page um, as you think about writing that book? You know, you name it, right? It, it's it's the behaviors that people let go untouched or undone or unaddressed, and it 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 starts to just continue and and build and get bigger and bigger, and it turns into a bigger problem, right? And it could be anything. I mean, you know, New York State right now is in, they're in some turmoil. Um, there, are, there are some issues happening with our governor and that's taken over a lot of people's uh, wave, wavelength time. They're, they're looking at these negative stories. And I, I guess the only way to, to wrap my brain around all the topics are what what advice can we give that will help them to not be cowards? I don't know, right? It's, the, it's that old party line thing. You vote with your party or you lose out on lobbying money, right? How do we not become cowards? Now, I'm not saying people purposely wake up in the morning and they want to be a coward. 
but through our lack of action, right, our inaction, sometimes we just uh, become cowards. And, it, and I, I think the advice, whatever it is, will be positive, blameless, and touch the things that we inadvertently might do that we don't, we don't want to do. Yeah, and I, I think not only is society in, um, you know, more divided than ever, but I'm, unfortunately I'm seeing school districts that are, uh, I, I never want to get to the point where we have red schools and blue schools. I think we have good schools for kids and, and we just, you know, hire good people and let them do the work. And whether we have conversations about critical race theory, I mean, those are good conversations to have, but, you know, let's just, um, you know, let's let's all kind of work together toward a common goal, which is to create better schools for kids. Yeah, that's a you know, Greg, that's a really good point you just made. The red school, blue school kind of thing. Um, really, really powerful. It, it's true. Well, and I, I guess the hope is that, um, you know, we come out of this Delta variant and uh, stronger than before. Teachers yeah. now have had enough experience with remote learning. Yep. virtual learning that that they're going to be fine uh I, I worry about kids i worry about families uh, i you know just prayers for everyone that's beginning the school year and um rick again congratulations on the book i do want to give you a closing thought as we run out of time but i just think it's an amazing project and it's I, in my mind it's so uplifting for people uh to to again you know maybe you're going to do a book study in your school district you know, get this book and have some of those conversations within your peer groups at your grade level across, uh, you know, across curriculum and talk about, you know, maybe why you're doing some of the things you're doing. And the big question is always why. So what's kind of the closing thought for why folks should get the book? Yeah, whether, you know, whether they get the book or they just hop on Amazon and, and scroll through the table of contents, it's those, it's how do you how do you continue to grow as an educator? And how do we humble ourselves to, to know that we're not Mr. or Ms. Know-it-alls, right? We, we don't wanna get up to a point in our career where we think we know it all. And I'm still learning, Greg's still learning, where, you know, everybody is. And, you know, just to talk with a colleague about some of these different ideas is, is very uplifting and it can rejuvenate even people that are close to retirement, they're tired of education, they're looking at the calendar. And believe me, I know, I know how it feels. So I think just these tiny little sparks to maybe get you back to your core about why you went into this in the first place. Well, again, Rick, it's a great conversation. I'm glad I had the chance to catch up with you. Have a great school year out there. Uh, on the East Coast. Thank you so much. Very, just an honor. So that's a wrap on this episode of the Reimagined Schools podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcast episodes. I hope one of the places you're looking is the Education Podcast Network. That's where you'll find not only Reimagined Schools podcast, but many of my friends and colleagues who are putting out great educational content each and every week. So you want to check us out on Twitter at EduPodNet. The website is educationpodcastnetwork.com. So you definitely want to check out the EPM. If you're on Twitter, give me a follow at Dr. Greg Goins. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments for myself or for any of my special guests on the podcast, 
You can also use the Reimagined Schools hashtag uh, to continue the conversation on how to create better schools for kids. So with that, folks, I hope you jump out and you check out Dr. Rick Jetter's new book. The 100 Stop series is fantastic. You definitely want to make that a priority as you think about maybe a book study uh, coming back for the new school year. And as always, folks, as we go back to school uh, during these uncertain times with the Delta variant, you know, my best wishes to all of you. I hope you support each other, support your kids and families in your school. Most importantly, folks, always do what you can in your school and community to create better schools for kids.